Hi, friends. Welcome back to the State Tax Show, your home for the world of state and local tax. I'm Matt Hunsaker. This episode is going to be unique. We've covered a lot of territory recently, and today we will follow up on a handful of stories. If my voice sounds a little raspy, it's from screaming in terror while playing a little game my family calls the axe game. Basically, we turn out all the lights and send one kid upstairs with a foam battle axe. When the game starts, the rest of us have to go find four objects in the house and return them all to a single location. But if the axe person gets you first, then you are out. So basically, the rest of us are all trying to gather all these objects before the axe person can get us all. It's really quite terrifying, especially my little nine-year-old girl who makes this crazy mouth-clicking sound and says, Come here, my pretties. Gives me nightmares. Well, enough about the strangeness that is the Hunsaker family. I was sifting through recent episodes to make sure that I don't repeat myself because that would be pretty embarrassing. And I realized that a lot of my episodes have been cliffhangers and that they've now been resolved. So today, I just want to fly through a few topics and tell you how things turned out. Last week's episode sure didn't age very well. Mike Sims in our Philadelphia office and I talked last week about the Cincy's case in Pennsylvania. There's a bit of a conflict in Pennsylvania between the Office of Attorney General and the Department of Revenue on how to interpret subsection 17, which is the sourcing of sales other than sales of tangible personal property. The Attorney General was going down more of a traditional interpretation route, but the Department of Revenue was basically reading in a uh, more of a market-based sourcing approach. Well, the last Friday, the court issued its decision in Synthes, and they said the department's interpretation, this is a quote here, the department's interpretation of subparagraph 17 is not contrary to the legislature's intent. Therefore, we uphold the department's application of the benefits received method of calculating the sales factor. This is probably not the end of the road, so expect an appeal in this case. And in the meantime, we'll still keep guessing just exactly what subsection 17 means in the state of Pennsylvania. Let's move on to advertising taxes. If you scroll back in the archives in early May, uh, did a roundtable discussion with a few of my partners about the, back then it was the Maryland digital advertising proposal. Well, since then, DC has proposed expanding its sales tax to include advertising services and personal information. Last week, 
the DC Council voted to amend what's called the Fiscal Year 2021 Local Budget Act of 2020. And that amendment, it effectively eliminated the proposed sales tax expansion. So I guess all the fuss in DC was for nothing. Well, maybe not. They're still going to have to revisit the budget a few months down the road when they see what the effect of COVID is. So it may not be that the sales tax expansion is completely dead, but for the time being, it's dead. If you're interested in advertising taxes, please do check out that archived episode uh, where we talk with Jerry Ferguson, who's one of our digital advertising experts. Not a tax guy, but he does a great job of explaining just how difficult these taxes would be to administer if you really understand how digital advertising uh, works in the economy. I guess while we're talking about digital advertising, I should let you know that the New York State Assembly is going to be considering AB 10706, which is called the Digital Ad Tax Act, or DATA, and that would impose a sliding scale of taxes on digital advertising services, uh, but those that use personal information about the people who are being targeted by the advertisements. If that starts to get traction, I'll dig into that on a future episode. Switching gears a little bit, let's talk about the Seattle uh, payroll expense tax. That, uh, man, that was, I think, two episodes ago, two or three episodes ago. So check that out if you want to hear a little bit more about how the tax works. But I just wanted to update you and let you know that Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin returned the bill to the council unsigned, which basically allows the tax to become law now. That new tax is going to go into effect on January 1 of 2021, so a few months to prepare for that. All right, sliding on down a little bit further south in Oregon. I think I talked about this before, but Oregon, Oregon Governor Kate Brown signed House Bill 4202, which was a technical corrections bill for the Oregon Corporate Activity Tax, or the CAT. More interestingly, though, the department has officially adopted the first of 17 permanent rules that are related to the CAT. Those were, I, I think they officially adopted them back at the end of June. A couple of these rules, though, directly conflict with the legislative changes made in House Bill 4202. So obviously, where there is a conflict, the statute is going to control. And I think the department is still drafting and implementing other temporary rules, but they have said that they are in the process, at least, of updating the two rules that are conflicting with the statute. My voice is starting to give out, so I think we'll finish up today uh, even a little further south in California with a recent court decision that upheld San Francisco's homelessness gross receipts tax. This is a really interesting case. It may not be important to those of you outside San Francisco, so I won't go into great detail. But basically, the issue in this case was whether a voter initiative to raise a new tax 
is subject to the two-thirds supermajority requirement for a new tax law. So San Francisco had imposed a new gross receipts tax on businesses with gross receipts over $50 million. I'm simplifying that a little bit. And the proceeds of that were to be used for funding homelessness services in San Francisco. Now, this was a voter initiative, and it passed with 61.34% of the vote, which was enough for a simple majority, but not enough for a two-thirds supermajority. This very quickly found its way into court, and back in July of 2019, San Francisco Superior Court Judge Ethan Shulman ruled that this tax and a similar tax that was the early childhood education commercial rents tax were valid even though they're only passed with a simple majority. In other words, voter initiatives require only a simple majority, whereas local government initiatives require a two-thirds majority to become law. Well, on June 30th, 2020, the California Court of Appeals first appellate district went ahead and ruled that the homelessness gross receipt tax was, in fact, validly enacted, so they sustained the Superior Court. I have to assume that this case is going to be appealed to the California Supreme Court. So in the meantime, San, the city of San Francisco's sitting on, I think, a few hundred million dollars so far in the tax revenue, but hasn't been using those funds because of the possibility that the pending litigation that I just talked about could invalidate the tax. There's some interesting procedural things that some taxpayers can do in this situation, and I'm not going to bore all of you with that, but if uh, you find yourself subject to the City of San Francisco homelessness gross receipts tax, uh, feel free to give me a buzz and I can tell you a little bit about what some of the taxpayers out there are doing. Well, that's all I've got for this week. These next few weeks are going to be very interesting. I went overboard with scheduling interviews. So I think I have an interview scheduled for each of the next seven weeks with various people on some pretty interesting topics. I may not do all seven of them because I, you know how it is in the state and local tax world. If we take two months off just doing interviews, we're going to miss out on some of the breaking news. So I'll probably squeeze in a few. Uh, news updates during these next couple months. But besides those, I think you're going to enjoy hearing a lot of interesting stuff from some of my colleagues. So stay tuned. Until next week, this is Matt Hunsaker for The State Tech Show. The State Tech Show podcast is produced by Baker and Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. The hiring of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Please visit BakerLaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.